0: Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. To all of you out there who are hoping to one day have Dylan Larkin's children, I'm sorry, that's no longer possible for you. (laughs) (laughs) You (laughs) I'm so relieved. Um a because
1: news came out that Dylan Larkin is fine, and B Brad said he had an opening to this episode that was slightly inappropriate. And as we you know grow as a podcast, one thing that we always aim to do is be more and more overtly professional. And sometimes Brad and or Evan uh, get this giddy look in their eyes pre show, and they're like, "Hey, we want to say a thing," and they look at me, and I'm just like, "Ah." Oh, she's what a, what and they're like it's kind of bad and i'm like oh god what type of bad is it racist is it sexist is it like is it uh, and they're like and it's never those things but i'm just trying to like eliminate the worst possible <laughs> i'm like okay could anyone be mad at us for this could we get sued and sometimes the answer is well <laughs> but today brad assured me and i'm so relieved this is that's that it this is it. There have been so many moments on this podcast where we have said, "You know what we're the biggest Red Wings podcast that makes us a real podcast. We've been doing this for more than four years. That makes us a real podcast. We've had people like Jeff Merrick and Ron McLean and Craig Custins and everyone else on that makes us a real podcast. But knowing the boundaries of inappropriate <laughs> jokes while still being entertaining to your entire audience, that's what makes us a real podcast. That is it, Brad. I am proud of you, sir.
0: <laughs> I have so many jokes running through my head right don't now. Don't do it, just, don't! Where I can just ruin it. Don't ruin it. <laughs> but I, I'm not going to. Anyways, sorry, ladies.
1: Oh, boy. Uh, Yeah, Dylan Larkin took one. Uh, oh, did he ever. I, You know it's bad when you, as a viewer, watching TV flinches. Oh, yeah. I was watching that game, and I sent out a tweet about, how happy I was about Mantha and uh, and Hironic tearing up the world championships and Larkin was doing great. And then within a matter of three minutes, Mantha was kicked out of the game and Larkin couldn't even make it to the dressing room because his manhood hurt so much. I, as a, as a player, like when I played hockey was, um, I, I wasn't impervious to injury. I was a smaller guy, like I was a smaller kid. And so I got hurt from time to time, but I never, would miss shifts and then come back. That's just not something I did. If I was hurt, I left the game. That barely ever happened. Um, the one time where I had to sit out a shift is when a puck hit my ankle and went straight up in the little gap where my cup didn't cover. And it was not a hard shot. Like, this thing was not moving quickly. It's just like a puck bouncing around in the slot. So I cannot even begin to fathom the unimaginable amount of pain that Dylan Larkin is probably still in.
0: He, they probably, by the time he got to the dressing room, they probably had a suicide counselor there waiting for him to talk him through this.
1: It is a level of pain. I don't know how to compare it to different things because there's nothing else that I've felt that is, it's like an instant drop. If you, possess those body parts you understand it is you instantly drop and in like several different things happen all at once including this like uh painful nausea is a thing that happens i don't know it's just guys have
0: actually thrown up after getting oh yeah, yeah yeah
1: it makes sense anyways enough about the finer details of that process it's good to hear that dylan larkin's okay ish Ish, yeah. Still yeah. praying for that. The blood. Apparently, he's fine, and it's just pain at this point. So the Which, Larkin bloodline lives on,
0: and that's what's important. Does it though? We don't have we don't have confirmation of that. What the the for all we know, the structure is standing, but everybody inside is dead. Uh our captain, <laughs> our captain, um, and all our future captains,
1: and all our future. What would? Uh, well, anyways. We'll worry about that at a later time. Red Wings fans have enough to worry about without yep. the future.
0: Mantha's fans. out for the quarterfinals. Larkin's basically incapacitated. Uh, Q, Princess Leia hologram. Help us, Philip. You're our <laughs> only hope. Okay, before we dive into
1: hockey this episode, uh, I want to talk about... um, And it kills me that we weren't recording, but I want to talk about my conversation with Mika, which for those of you <laughs> who don't know... Is Brad's uh near 3-year-old daughter. Her birthday's soon, Sunday. Oh man. Sunday. It is Sunday. Uh, almost 3 years old. She is I want to tell you and this isn't an insult to just uh Brad and Crystal, also myself and Evan, always the smartest person in this house. <laughs> she is sickeningly smart. Like disturbingly where if you're involved in your her life, you're like, "Oh, kid, you're going to be trouble." Um she's sitting down Good. here as as we're prepping for the show and um I I'm just talking to her and I, and I say Mika, what do you want to be when you grow up? Cuz I realize I've never asked her that. And she went, "I want to be a grown-up." And I went, "Mika, that's the worst answer to that question I've ever heard." And like I was more saying it to Brad at that point like, just as a comment. And she looked at me and with this like mildly annoyed tone just went, "That was a joke." <laughs>
0: Just deadpan in a three-year-old like, voice. It wasn't, a, like, it wasn't an
1: accidental sequence of words. She put that together and looked at me perturbed that I didn't register the joke that she was making. And I was like, oh my god.
0: And then after I was done laughing to the point where my abdomen hurt, I turned around to make sure we were recording for our pre-show video and we weren't. And I was so rattled. I
1: was still setting up the camera. I was so... So upset. I was so upset for so many reasons. Um, no adult needs that level of uh, humility bestowed upon them by a child who was born three years ago. That is a that's a level of like grossly humble. I never want to be as a narcissist. That took a that I took a hit there. But as uh, Mika self proclaimed because she doesn't have an official one godparent, uh, I'm incredibly proud. And horrified for how smart she's going to be.
0: Given how young she is. You know what? uh, To put in perspective how young she is and uh, how horrifying horrifying a couple things paired together are. Hmm. Mika's not existed for a Red Wings playoff game. She came the
1: year after, right?
0: Crystal's pregnant at the game we were at. Remember, Crystal's pregnant for game three against Tampa Bay, and they haven't been back since.
1: No, and she was born late May, and they certainly would have not played late May hockey in some
0: time. Crystal's about seven and a half months pregnant when we went to that game. Mika is younger than the Abdulkader
1: contract. Right? Does that make sense? No. When
0: was that signed? Oh, my God, maybe.
1: Justin, Three
0: years ago yeah oh man it was a happier time
1: <laughs> i want to actually want to look up one this uh because justin Abdulkader was signed he's got 2016, 2017 so yeah that would have been yeah
0: wow weird She's that's probably, probably why ages. i wasn't so angry about it when it happened i was still riding the high
1: yeah remember when you remember when you showed or when you uh Actually, no, remember when you told us Mika was born? We just didn't hear from you for like twenty-two
0: hours. And Dude, I got- it was a, it was yeah, it was a 24 hour labor. And then I didn't even tell you, I just sent you a picture. But yeah. And you're like, what? What? I know. This guy's such a loser.
1: <laughs> Don't be friends with Brad, because I'm I was like texting him pretty much every 12 hours saying, update, update, how's Crystal? How's Crystal? And when I was here, I would like just talk to Chris. I just want to know. I I was so invested in it.
0: Like she wince a little bit. Was that it? Was Was that it? Yeah. No? I was
1: certain it was going to happen while I was here.
0: (laughs) We were positive she was going to come down in the middle of an episode. Hey, we have to go. Yeah. (laughs) And
1: there was a couple of times where like we heard shuffling upstairs and we'd like freeze (laughs) and look at each other. And she selfishly did not do that. And then you selfishly did not text me at all during your wife's labor. So, thanks for nothing.
0: Hey, if we were doing two a week back then, there was a good chance because Crystal went into labor on a Wednesday and Mika was born on a Thursday. Oh, we could have recorded it in the waiting room. I'm sure they would have been fine with that. That place, Triage at Grand River Hospital, is a zoo. Oh, yeah. I, I volunteered there. Yeah. It would have just, there would have been a certain ambiance to us recording with at least a dozen women screaming in the background during their contractions. Cause, yeah, they literally packed like a dozen of them into Triage. It was. It was a m- scene straight out of a horror movie.
1: Let's get to hockey. Uh, yeah,
0: because we're the Wing Wheel Podcast. I'm Ryan Hanna. I'm Brad
1: Crisco. So uh, Canada and the U.S. played, and uh, it was a showdown for the ages. Just kidding. It was the last round-robin game that uh, Canada won pretty handily. Uh, over the States, uh, Mantha, despite being kicked out of the game, continued his point streak. Yep. Nice uh, assist. Is he still leading the tournament in points? No. Goals. Goals. Maybe. Sorry. Goals. Yeah, uh, and he he was with f- much fewer games played.
0: Or- um, speaking of his assist, you know what he's been getting really good at when he's coming down on those two-on-ones the left side? Real subtle move that he does that I like. Right before he passes, he'll have the puck in front of him, and then he'll cock it to a shooting position. And then throw it over, all in one motion. So it gives that goalie the extra bit of hesitation. If anybody wants a good example of that from during the season, uh, the overtime goal against New Jersey that he fed to Larkin on the 2-on-1, he did the same thing. It's a subtle little move, but effective. uh,
1: Max's article on Mantha was actually a really good um, read and reminder about the different tools and talents that Mantha has been displaying. And he had an interesting point there, and he referenced an article that he wrote a little while back about – the way big power forwards tend to develop. And I think it raises an interesting question because we always talk about athletic peak being around the age of 24 to 26. And a lot of these big power forwards don't really learn how to complete their game or tie their game together until earliest age 25. And so you want to have the game figured out before heading into your prime. So it it does raise a lot of interesting questions about how athletic prime really translates to the overall game, what we need to be considering when we're valuing players and prioritizing players, um, and maybe giving players like Mantha or in the future Rasmussen some more time to develop and a little bit more patience. Almost the same way we do with defensemen. We always talk about defensemen getting, what is it, like 300 games? You know, 300 NHL reps before we really truly know what they are, what their skill set is um defense playing defense in the national hockey league is incredibly difficult and nuanced and takes a level of intelligence that even if you have a high hockey hockey iq that intelligence can only be gained through experience um and so oftentimes defensemen are given a lot of a a lot more time and and leeway and a longer leash and then when you see teams make mistakes, it's by giving up on defensemen too early um as an example Tampa Bay had Victor Hedman on the trading block at one point because he wasn't panning out at the age of like t- 22 or something like that. And then obviously he's turned into a Norris Trophy candidate. So maybe doing the same thing for big power forwards is something that's beneficial um, or or would prove to be more fruitful. So that that's hopefully – that's what Red Wings fans are hoping is happening right now with Mantha, right? Like if Mantha is going to turn around and, and boost his point totals to like a 65, 70-plus point season, uh, that would bode really, really, really well. Because they would love to have a power forward, amantha And then, hey, that's a great um, standard to set as Rasmussen comes up. You're looking a lot. You're looking around the room, lost, like you lost something.
0: I definitely brought a water down here, and I have <laughs> no idea where it is. Oh, Mika, definitely. She definitely took it somewhere because I have absolutely no functioning clue where it went. A vindictive little kid. I might have some water left for my Gatorade bottle for my hockey game behind me, but.
1: uh The World Championships are heading into their later stages, so we're getting into the quarterfinals and what have you now. Where Anthony Mantha won't be playing. Uh, Because of a one-game suspension because of a check to the head. Yeah, it was a stupid play, Anthony. What were you doing? Uh, I've I've seen some replies um, in comments on Twitter about people implying that it was accidental. That was not... I'm not calling Anthony Mantha a dirty player. We've seen players make that same hit where they just get caught in the moment and they didn't make a stupid decision, and that's what it was. It was a stupid decision. That was a very avoidable hit. If you want to call it malicious or not, that's not what it's about. It was a. It was a bad hit. It was a dirty hit, and it was completely avoidable. And it was based on the decision Mantha made. I honestly think the one game suspension is appropriate if not a little bit lenient. Yeah. Um, considering the IIHF generally cracks down harder on headshots than it, the NHL does. Exactly. So it's uh, really, really lucky for him that he only misses one game. And it's a it, like, one, you don't want to ever see anyone hurt, especially with checks to the head. Uh, and two, the lesser point, you don't want to see Anthony Mantha, you know, soil what is going to or spoil what was otherwise a fantastic tournament. And have the story be that he was kicked out for X number of games because of dirty play. So glad it was just one game.
0: Hoping he keeps it together for the rest of it. Yeah, and he's he always has played with an edge. So nobody should be surprised by this. No. No. Just hoping he doesn't do it anymore.
1: Uh, the Stanley Cup playoffs. Um, San Jose pushed their luck. They pushed their luck too far with that hand pass goal.
0: And the hockey gods... Said no Eric Carlson, Tomasz Hurdle, or Joe Pavelski for you. One player lost for every beneficial call in a critical game these playoffs.
1: Yeah, crazy thing when uh, you lose three of your best players is that you tend to lose hockey games.
0: Weird, right? Yeah, so. And then DeBoer's excuse after was the San Jose didn't play heavy enough hockey. Oh, yeah, love that. It's like uh, Mike Babcock. We don't have enough big guys up front. Sorry, what? (laughs) Yeah, no, no. You were missing Joe Pavelski and Eric Carlson, definitely. The heaviness is what mattered there. It's not like... If only they would have dressed Mark Edward Vlasic and Bram Burns and Evander Kane and Timo Meyer and Joe Thornton and... Have I made my point yet? Uh, You know what would have stopped
1: Pat Sternak and Marchand and everyone else? Heavy players. Big, slow, heavy players. Yeah, heavy guys definitely would have. Just like honestly take the uh, stone men from East the Stoneheads from Easter Island that is their that is peak NHL hockey body according to
0: those coaches do you know who's a really heavy hockey player hmm. Jonathan Erickson San Jose I'm just mentioning
1: big heavy man big heavy we will give you heavy your third body ra- heavy feet <laughs> uh Red Wings related note with San Jose not making the cup finals like the teases that they are uh, one of the possible conditions that would have boosted the twenty twenty third round pick that Detroit acquired from San Jose um, to a second has been eliminated, which was make the Stanley cup finals this season. So the only other condition that could be fulfilled to boost that third to a second is Nyquist resigning with San Jose, which is a big question mark right now. No one really knows how that's going to go. San Jose honestly has bigger priorities in front of them. First and foremost being Eric Carlson. So Nyquist won't be a cheap player, and he won't be an easy contract to negotiate because this will be his last big one, uh, at least in his mind. And so, I'm not gonna say it's completely unlikely, but I wouldn't hedge bets at this point. I'm treating that third round pick as if it's going to be a third round pick. And still if, a good trade. Still a good trade. It was the market at the time, and you, but you know what? As a Red Wings fan, San Jose, if you're gonna cheat your way through the playoffs like that and not even make the Cup finals. What what were we even rooting for you for? You know, rude. It's it's exceptionally rude. Uh, St. Louis, Boston. St. Louis is back for the
0: first time in nearly fifty years to the Cup Finals. Nineteen seventy. To put it in perspective, the last moment the St. Louis Blues were in the Stanley Cup Final, Bobby Orr was flying through the air. Uh, Brad was only
1: thirteen years old back then.
0: Yeah, so (laughs) remember it well. The. uh,
1: seeing them get back is really cool i'm glad they had their um the wind to bring them back there was at home obviously play Gloria was, is always such an amazing story um i think layla is that little girl's name yep uh that's i saw the video of uh patty maroon talking to her after the game and telling her that steiner always brings her up in the dressing room and they're fighting for her and i was just like sobbing at work it's such a feel-good story, and the most important part of, about all of this is Boston sports don't need any more championships, so please, St. Louis,
0: please. But we, um, So, Game of Thrones is relevant lately, so I feel like now is time for an appropriate Ramsey Bolton quote. If you think this has a happy ending, you haven't been paying attention.
1: Which is funny because... You know what? We're not going to do Game of Thrones.
0: Ugh. No, not
1: anymore. Done. <laughs> it's done. You know, all I can think of is poor Max binged that entire show in like four days to catch up to season eight just to witness that.
0: First half of the last episode, great. Second half, yeah, okay. Fan service. Oh...
1: I, it's not even a hill to die on for me because I'm just too tired. I haven't even made it to the hill. I'm at the foot of the hill, sobbing, half-dressed, soaked in a cold sweat. And
0: at, at the top of the hill is Evan Lobsinger sitting next to the Iron Throne, which is occupied by Alex Delvecchio. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great throwback to the patrons who have listened to that uh, Patreon-exclusive episode. That was still our most fun one, I think. I Ev- Evan, how heated Evan got that episode is made it all worthwhile. That was worth a year of patronage for all of our patrons just to get to listen to Evan go off on that episode.
1: You and I looked at each other surprised like that. I've never seen Evan this engaged or passionate about literally anything in our entire lives.
0: There was a point where a literal active Detroit Red Wing gave him free tickets to a game and I didn't see that type of passion come out of him.
1: He was like, oh, yeah, that's cool. (laughs) And then with the Del Vecchio thing, he was screaming bloody murder at
0: us. (laughs) Oh, oh man, I miss Evan. How is he? I don't know. I just assume he's. I just assume he's dead every time he's not here.
1: Uh, Evan has officially enrolled in a professional Division Three, uh, underhand only slow pitch, um, extra softball league, <laughs> which takes place on
0: extra softball league. Yeah. God, I am trying so hard to not make a Dylan Larkin joke here. <laughs>
1: And so that's why he's not here tonight. Um, Who do we have for our prospect profile
0: tonight? Your boy, Cole Caulfield. Cole Caulfield.
1: Okay. Uh, Corey Priman's draft, um, our draft rankings came out. Another great read. On
0: Tuesday. Yeah. I legitimately spent an hour combing through that article.
1: The amount of work that goes into those things, both uh, from him and Scott Wheeler and everyone else who does this kind of work, is. Phenomenal um, and mind blowing and horrifying.
0: I can only imagine they have not slept or showered in months. Um, Corey Peronman's just going, driving down the expressway, just tools, speed, hockey IQ, tools, <laughs> speed, edge hockey work. IQ, edge work, physicality. Th- th- he does, there's nothing else left in his repertoire. No. Uh, Cole
1: Caulfield is poised to be a prolific. Record-setting,
0: unmatched goal scorer in this draft class. He's the best goal scorer in this draft. That's end of statement right there. Whether or not that translates to the NHL is kind of the debate, but as of this moment, it's Cole Caulfield and then everybody else. Does anybody
1: have a real argument against Cole Caulfield's goal-scoring ability not translating, or have an argument against it translating it into the NHL? Do people have those
0: arguments? Yes. Are they valid? I don't agree with him, but I see the I, I see what they're getting at in the fact that because he's only five foot seven and he's not particularly fast, he's not slow. He doesn't have below average speed, but because he's not particularly fast, if he is within reach of a defender, he'll be knocked off the puck pretty easily because his physical play is like a negative two out of 10, even though the rest of his game is above average to elite. Um I don't buy into that because the thing there's two things that make Cole Caulfield as good of a goal scorer as he is. One is his shot. It's not normal to sit here and say a dude who's five foot seven has the best shot in the draft, but Cole Caulfield has the best shot in the draft. And I'm and I don't mean it's the hardest, although it's up there. His ability to corral the puck from any position, any angle, any lie, and get that puck on net with speed and accuracy is unreal. Not like any player I've ever seen before. The only player in the NHL that I've, I've seen have similar capabilities on a regular basis is Austin Matthews, where just however that puck is coming to them and whatever angle, it doesn't matter. And on top of his shot and his release angles on a shot and everything about it, he also has an amazing brain to find the open areas at the right time. The best brain. It's up. Eh, there's other players who have hockey IQ. And- it's just making a stupid joke. What? Okay, give me the reference because I don't. I won't do the reference. Okay, because I don't get it. Um, but anyways, he he knows how to find the seams. And the important thing about this is this isn't a skill you can particularly pick a player. You either know how and when to do it, or you don't. And Caulfield knows how to find those areas and get to them. So if you put him with anybody even halfway capable of getting him the puck, he's going to score in the NHL. He's going to be a 40-goal scorer, assuming um, he doesn't get put on a third line with like Darren Helm. But not every team has that playmaker, so there's questions there. Cole Caulfield's um, biggest
1: appeal to me is the level of game-breaking talent that he possesses and the fact that that game-breaking talent is unteachable in my mind for somebody to have that natural goal-scoring touch is an
0: absolute gold mine he one thing though that i forgot to mention i like to say a lot of these things are unteachable but cole caulfield might actually be the argument against that Because his dad runs a literal shooting school. Right. (laughs) And that's –
1: it's good. And that's someone who's maximized, like, their skill set and their natural ability. But I I still think – like, you have NHL players now who can't on a whim shift the angle on a (laughs) – Brad is drinking water out of a freaking Gatorade sports bottle and – like leaning his head all the way back like he's in a commercial and just like...
0: I'm trying to keep it as far away from the mic as I can while I'm doing it. I
1: know, and I'm looking at it. <laughs> I can't keep a straight face. Cole Caulfield's ability to, in motion, at high speeds, shift the angle of the puck both on a stick, mask the angle that he's shooting with, and get the goalie, the defender, and three rows into the crowd uh, to bite on his shot before like switching the angle on that and then just putting everything in motion and then finding the back of the net. The fact that he can do that on a whim so consistently, and you can go in and find 10 examples of that in two minutes of YouTube searches is nuts. He's not only like an elite, elite, elite goal scorer with just finding the right spot on the net on a basic set play when his, you know, high end teammates like Jack Hughes or Alex Turcotte or Trevor Zegras finds him in open ice, which he's very talented at finding open ice. Uh, which another sub note is an extremely important thing if you're a goal scorer the fact that he can do that when that that's not the case he creates those situations to generate like a simulated open ice scenario he play that goal scoring touch is just as effective in traffic as it is in open ice he is a 5 foot 7 player who's uh okay not extremely fast but I don't think his skating is a really big thing it's not alpha. a weakness but it's no, not a strength it's de- yeah he's definitely not He's not extremely fast like you
0: would expect someone five foot seven to be, but he's you know I think a decent skater. He skates kind of like me, in the sense that short, choppy, swat strides. There's a lot going on there, so his skating is like a protest. It makes a lot of noise, but he doesn't really get anything done.
1: And um, as an aside, that actually is not a terrible thing because that means by changing some um, technical, you know, like technical movements. At
0: this point, though, it's hard to change a stride. It's not impossible to happen. Brett Leeson in the WHL is a good example of that this year, but it's it's hard.
1: Um, the guy crashes the net. He's not all about you know picking the corners only from open ice or on these beautiful set plays that he has. He'll crash the net. He'll bring the play to the net. He's extremely talented. Like you said, he has a fantastic mind for the game. His
0: offensive hockey IQ is otherworldly. Yeah. And all this being said about his goal scoring, he's not a bad playmaker either. He very much looks shot first, but he can read the zone and he can make the pass when the pass is the best option. If it's a 50 50 play, he's, he's absolutely taking the shot. But no, yeah. So it, it's nice to see that. Now, that being said, there are not to say there aren't flaws to his game. No, absolutely. Um, Uh, In the the physical board battles, he's basically a non-factor. And defensively, he is... mm, I don't want to say liability because he's a smart enough player to not get caught out of position, but he's not winning any battles. Let's just say that. He competes hard, which is why I think he's not a liability defensively, but it's never going to be average or above average in his own zone. That's just not unless he had... 20 pounds of muscle, which probably isn't happening on that frame.
1: It's not something, you know, It's a, he's a small winger. If he comes into this league, you can't realistically expect this guy to be a defensive stalwart or be the one to go into the corners and come out with the puck and dish it. You're going to need to pair him with someone who can generate that open ice, dig out the puck, basically bring Pavel Datsuk back, put him in a time machine to t- 15 years ago.
0: Dylan Larkin, Tyler Bertuzzi, Cole Caulfield.
1: All right. The value of goals in today's NHL. Obviously, it's the most valued asset in the league, as it should be. Goals win you games. It's the simplest formula that you can do. That's not advanced statistics. It's just basic hockey knowledge. Um, goals are valued more in contracts. Goal scorers get more money. Um, people, t- people are willing, or general managers and teams and coaches are willing to overlook a lot of things if you can bring goals to the table. They can fill in those gaps elsewhere on your line or elsewhere on the team if you bring goals to the table. You have a guy who just set an insane record, 72 goals in the uh, U.S. NTDP season. He's scoring at a clip of some other prolific goal scorers who, at his age. No, higher than. Yes. Uh, Alex Ovechkin. The fact that he shares a record with Alex Ovechkin is, should be enough to get you excited about this kid. Is everything that I just mentioned enough to have him leapfrog everyone else if Byram Turcott, and Zgris are off the board
0: for me yeah yes what if Zegris is on the board <sighs> this is where need comes down because value wise I have them about equal right now so I if I'm Detroit I am then making my pick based on team need which is Zgris. But I'm not unhappy either way. I could definitely see the case for picking Cole Caulfield at 6. That being said, the more and more I read and the more and more I watch, I'm not even entirely certain he's going to be there at 6. But what? most mocks most I still somehow, for some reason, still have him between 8 and 15. which That just seems crazy to me. Like On my worst day of ranking him, I think I have him 7th at I, this point.
1: I think teams are going to look at you know, Patrick line and think we would love to have the Patrick line problem, which is a guy who, at, when he's playing pretty bad hockey by his own right, is still putting up a crazy number of goals and his next contract might come in cheaper than it otherwise would have had he not played all that fortnight. That was a joke. Please stay out of my mentions, <laughs> but you see a guy like Cole Caulfield who, where when he's still developing and like, you know, 21, 22 years old is putting up 35, 40 goals. I think team. I think
0: you're right. I think he's there. That guy. This guy's liable to go in the top five, for good reason. So teams have probably learned their lesson. You would hope at least mo- more teams have. I don't like making the direct comparison because functionally they are different players, but you can't not compare him to Alex DeBrinket because no, you have to. they're both five foot seven, right handed, like. Make no sense. And teams let Alex debrinkit go all the way to the second round despite three fifty 50-goal seasons in Erie. Uh, I think two going into the draft. Of course, he got picked one pick ahead of Detroit, but, you know, I'm not going <clears> to... <throat> anyways. Every team in the NHL
1: pass on Alex debrinkit at least once, sometimes
0: twice. Think about that. Yeah. And I personally feel Caulfield's a more dynamic player than debrinkit is. I, I feel there's more to... Caulfield's game than there is DeBrinket's.
1: The NHL is becoming wiser and wiser to the fact that size should not be factored over skill in today's NHL and a extremely small size or an anomalous size like five foot seven isn't such yeah. a bad thing in today's NHL if it comes with game breaking talent.
0: I can't fathom that he's actually shorter than me. Johnny Goudreau,
1: Alex DeBrinket, you know, Whoever else you want to look at in this league, who's proven time and time again that you can be small and incredibly successful, because it probably means you have an insane amount
0: of talent. That should be enough. Imagine Chicago drafts him at three, and they put him on a line with Kane and DeBrinket. That'd be the shortest line in hockey history, and they might combine for three hundred points one season. it plays center. They'd have to shift Kane to center, but I don't care. Maybe I don't it think happen. it would matter at that point. Yeah, can
1: that would they would score. Probably 300 goals between the three of them. They would just spawn on the ice with two goal, a two-goal lead. <laughs> and if you're a Red Wings... Okay, so here's the thing. I keep saying don't get married to prospects. Cole Caulfield is up there for me with Zegras. I keep bouncing b- back between the two of them. And I'm assuming Byron and Turcotte are going to be gone. And basically, there's this nightmare scenario where... Um, Byram, Turcott are gone. Obviously, Hughes and Kako go first and second overall. Um, Byram, Turcott, and then Doc, Cousins, Pod Colson, whoever. Wh- one of those guys will go fifth, and then Detroit will have, or say, like, even Caulfield will go fifth, and then Detroit will, at this point where we're at, will want Detroit to take Zegras, and they're going to go with a Doc or a Cousins or a Pod Colson. I'm certain it's going to happen. You just know that's going to be the case. Or the same thing if if Caulfield's on the for, on the uh,
0: on the board, they're going to go with someone else. And it's all too fresh of a fit feeling for the Red Wings because I still remember twenty seventeen <gasps> Suzuki, <gasps> Nietzsche! <gasps> Lagerin, <gasps> Vlardy, Michael Rasmussen. <laughs> and don't get me wrong, Rasmussen still got a chance to be a good NHLer. We but, have
1: his preview coming up this Sunday.
0: Yeah, but. Mm, yeah. Damn it! Yeah, that one was. Not that any of the guys that were drafted behind him are like superstars, but anybody who's been watching the Memorial Cup right now, looking at Nick Suzuki, oh man, I would love a Suzuki or Nichash or oh, like Gate is
1: what's happening with Gavardy. He's he played play like he's again? played
0: like twenty-five games in the last two years or something like that. His I'm getting a strong Cody Hodgson vibe here. Great player, but his it's his back, and that's not an injury that leaves the mind at ease. Batman came back from a broken back. Who did? Batman. Batman?
1: Yeah. Batman. Bane broke his back and he Bruce came. Wayne? No.
0: Who? Batman? Batman. Batman. Bat- but not Robin. Just Batman. Listen, sir. Uh anything. Else? Steve, we need the Bane voice.
1: <laughs> we really do actually. We shouldn't be able to make Batman Bane references without Steve. I actually always love do I think Bane voices and Bane impressions are uh, hilarious. Um and I, now I can't do them because Steve has taken over that on the podcast. He, did you see his stupid joke that he made on my, like, uh, Larkin's bloodline lives on tweet?
0: I didn't see your Larkin bloodline
1: lives on tweet. Oh, yeah. I can't help <laughs> myself and you know that. Uh, I, I saw that Larkin was going to be okay, and I tweeted out the uh, Larkin bloodline shall persist. And Steve replied to me and said, he can still have Dylan Lark kids. Wait, Dylan's loin. Dylan's loins can. <laughs> Steve. <laughs> you swish. <laughs> you, I just, what I said. I was like, stuck the landing. I was like,
0: <laughs> no
1: wonder you fit in so well when you were here.
0: You're doing terrific. Oh,
1: man. Okay, Cole Caulfield. He's the kind of guy where, as we talk about him, I'm like, how did I ever rank Zegers ahead of him? How did I rank anyone ahead of him? Let's take him first overall. Let's trade for first overall and take him first overall. He's such an exciting guy, and he's the kind of player, he's the kind of talent... Where you throw away everything about, yeah, it would be nice to have a centerman or it would be nice to have a defenseman right now. And you say, I want a perennial 40, maybe 40-plus goal scorer on this team for free right now. Do you consider taking him over anyone else? So you have him, what, ranked
0: sixth? Right now, tentatively, yeah, that's where I have him. So. I take Caulfield in... As of right now, based on my rankings, I take him in one very specific circumstance. The top five goes Hughes, Kako, Turcott, Byram, Zegris.
1: You have Turcott ahead of Byram?
0: I can't remember what you had the last time we talked. I haven't finalized. I'm going to put uh, my rankings up on Patreon at some point this week. I flip-flop on them daily. I just used Turcott at three here because I'm pretty sure that's where Chicago's going. okay? But um, yeah, so if... And then Colorado goes Byram... Or and then LA goes z or vice versa. I think I take Caulfield right now.
1: That's interesting. It's interesting. Detroit's you know what? We we kind of are doing Iserman a disservice here. Um Steve Eiserman, general manager of the Detroit Red Wings. Um, he has talked about Cole Caulfield. He's talked about the kind of talent that he brings, and he's he has not, not paid
0: attention to him. To be fair though, like it's not like Stevie brought him up out of the blue. He was asked directly about Cole Caulfield. No, but the way the I mean <laughs> He was very complimentary of him and it absolutely gave the impression that yeah, he's probably looking very long and hard at him. And again, you look at Tampa Bay where Steve Eisman just came from, Brain Point, Tyler Johnson, Johnny Gord. He wasn't exactly. small about he wasn't shy about small players. No.
1: Um, and if you read any interview with Steve Eisman, you can see that getting in from like hockey ops information is like pulling teeth and still you might just get teeth and not any hockey ops information. And so for him to say anything or for you to be able to glean anything like substantial from that conversation means oh, he thinks the world of this kid. Mind you, Pod Colson was also in that conversation and he's falling on nearly everyone's draft boards. I think he
0: was down at what 10, 12 on uh I've seen him in the mid teens on a lot now and I I still have him in my top 10 and now I'm wondering if I'm the outlier. Although, to be fair, the, there's been a lot of, like... Man, after the first pick five, this draft's going to get interesting because Broberg's starting to shoot back up boards. People forget about Matthew Boldy. And there's a few other guys who are making a case to jump in the top ten that really haven't been in the top ten all year. So it's going to be a crazy draft. The It's funny because... What's what happens one through six or one through eight is going to be very interesting, but eight through twelve is going to be almost more wild. Dude. Eight through fifteen, it was funny. Every, I don't even like the Canadians, but a lot of rankings I see have Ryan Suzuki at fifteen, which is where Montreal picks. Yeah, could you imagine the Suzuki brothers? I think that'll be a
1: huge. I I could absolutely seeing that see that happening.
0: I could because he's ranked right around there, and it wouldn't be a reach. <laughs> the people are sleeping on
1: Cam York, and I think there's going to yeah, be a Cam late York. surge of Cam York, and he's going to be taken maybe as high as top ten. Defense Possibly. always happens with defensemen, especially defensemen who displayed a high level of talent. No draft is you know teeming with them, but this draft ha- does have a few big name defensemen in there. If you are comfortable with the gap between Byram and the rest of them. Byron being the only one that's a real top five talent and Broberg, York, um, names escaping me. Finnish guy. Soderstrom. Yeah, no, not, well, Soderstrom. Yes. And then Heinola.
0: He's finished, but yeah, Heinola. Is that not what I said? I, thought I said Swedish. I might not. I'm not really listening. <laughs> you piece of garbage. Go I was, ahead and make your point, then, Brad. No, I was trying to think of another point because we were talking about Caulfield and then the eight to fifteen range, and then I just realized there's a fifty a fifty goal scorer in the OHL who might not even go in the top 5, fifteen. Arthur Kaliev. Yeah, he scored fifty. The only two players in the OHL I can think of over the last like decade who scored fifty in their draft year, Alex DeBrinket and Jeff Skinner. Maybe we're not giving Kaliev enough credit. He's a pretty divisive prospect, though. He is. You know who else was a divisive prospect for a lot of the same reasons Kaliev is? Anthony Mantha.
1: And look where that's brought him, to a suspension.
0: <laughs> Consider that, Brad. Kaliev shouldn't even be drafted in the first round. Really, Kaliev shouldn't be picked to, like, 35, if we're being honest. You know, people were talking to me on Twitter, and they were like, uh, Oh, I can't,
1: I can't wait for your Cole Caulfield's draft profile. And I was like, why? It's the easiest one. It's not interesting. We have nothing but good things to say about him. What are, what are our uh, flaws for Caulfield? He's small and he's not entirely physical and his defensive game isn't one of his strong suits. All right. <laughs> okay. The guy scores at a prolific clip. If he doesn't turn out to be great, everyone will be surprised. But, Ryan, he's
0: not just small. He real he's small. He's real small. He's
1: S-M-O-L small. But he's small. real good.
0: Yeah, because uh, if we draft him, then Anthony Mantha can be our large son. And Cole Caulfield can be our small son. <laughs> Twitter's so weird, man. Twitter is a weird, it, weird, wonderful place.
1: I love it, and I spend too much time on it, and if one day they took Twitter away from us and they said, this has gone too far, I would say, that is understandable. <laughs> <laughs> I can't help but agree with that.
0: Yeah. I, I think I have a better opinion of Twitter than most people because I don't really follow anything that's not sports. Yeah, sports Twitter gets pretty weird, man. Sports Twitter gets weird, but the rest of Twitter is just a toxic cesspool of, I don't even know what to describe it. It's just best to avoid it at all
1: costs. Yeah. And when you accidentally like say something and you get uh, invaded by those parts of Twitter that you don't ever want to be a part of and they just say things like you, they say things and you show it to people. You're like, can they say this on the internet? Like, are they going to, or should I call the police or did the police just
0: know already? They're are on some, know, some, I just assume I'm on some kind of list at this point. Yeah. It's a Twitter list. Of garbage hockey people. There was one like a year and a half ago. So you know how like when people add you to lists, like you'll get. Yeah, the North yeah. Because like they've added you to list hockey. They've added you to list Detroit. Uh, someone, this was like a year and a half ago and I died laughing when I saw it. It was just someone has added you to a list. And it's just like FBI watchdog with the like sunglasses, <laughs> copper face. And I'm like, that is the funniest crap I've ever seen. Because you know he's not following that list for any other reason than he just wants people to get that notification. You're on the water. <laughs> I'm on the watch list. (laughs) Uh, I've never used a list function. Hey, speaking of Twitter, I'm getting dangerously close to 2,000 followers. I don't even know what I'm at. I've kind of, like, I'm still paying attention to Twitter, but the last few... I'm going to say a couple weeks. I haven't really been as active as I normally am because I haven't had opinions. Well, hockey's been dying down. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah, I don't even know what I'm at. I am sitting around... I'm just over 1,800. If you guys
1: are listening... And you don't follow at Ryan Hannah WWP. Consider going and giving that account to follow. Let's get the second uh, we Brad. We've already gotten Brad's to reach two thousand. I would love it if mine could reach two thousand. Also, the podcast account is doing uh, great. Uh, oh, we would love to grow the podcast account. So also at Winged Wheel Pod, I want to get that count to I want to get that account to three k by the end of the year. The Winged Wheel Pod. I account. think we can do it. Yeah, I broke twenty one hundred and didn't notice. That's a challenge for you all. Get Ryan. Hashtag Ryan2K, hashtag WWP3K. Evan, don't worry about Evan. We're going to just drag Evan kicking and screaming too. Evan will still
0: walks in and goes, I jumped up 50 So followers. what is it? Hashtag Ryan2K, hashtag WWP3K, hashtag Brad's kid.
1: Hashtag Brad had his... Just wait.
0: <laughs> wait
1: for things to normalize again, and then we can do reassess what they are. Uh, our Red Wings player profiles. Uh, this one is going to be, I can't uh, believe I'm saying this, a contentious one. It's um, Darren
0: Helm. <laughs> I'm the, I'm my crown jewel of Red Wings Twitter, Darren I'm, Helm. Speaking of Twitter, I'm going to have to avoid it for a bunch of days after this one. And I know you assholes will be waiting for me when I get back, too. There's literally no avoiding fallout. Okay, before we start this all, I'm going to qualify this before we dive into the review. I really, really, really like Darren Helm. Truly, honestly, I like Darren Helm. Okay? Darren I've, Helm, I've liked a- him since the 08 playoffs when he made his debut. I... His overtime goal against Chicago in 09, one of my favorite Red Wings goals of all times. So I love Darren Helm. Now let's get to the actual review.
1: Uh, Darren Helm is the or was the heart and soul of the Detroit Red Wings during their competitive years from 08 to 2013. Was he though? I genuinely believe it. Was the, he though? The kind of tenacity and energy See, and it's, this kind of mindset is why we're at where we're at. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have a second half to this point. Okay. I know you tune out, but just let me get there.
0: Yeah. Oh, hey, look at you, Graham.
1: If you if you look at the intangibles and what he brought to the the team and the energy and the euphoria that was a successful Red Wings franchise, <laughs> Brad leaned his head back in his chair. The next time you expose your throat like that, I'm slitting it. it does, I'm going to be straight up with that. <laughs> um, The What he brought to that successful team, like that is why he is the crown jewel of so many Red Wings fans still. He is beloved, and for good reason. He played at 110%. He has, He had, and still has to some degree, a world-class level of speed. He is absolutely a – he is the kind of guy every coach loves. Darren Hell makes too much money and is not that person for this team anymore. It doesn't mean he still doesn't have a place on this team. It doesn't mean he's not a good hockey player. But if we're doing the objective analysis thing, a lot of that great stuff was – then overvalued in terms of a contract because everyone was riding the high of, hey, we're the Red Wings and we're great and this is all euphoria and Darren Helm's going to make near $4 million a year. Ken Holland, what on God's green
0: earth are you doing? I know you said he's you know, still a good hockey player. I feel like pointing out he had 17 points in 61 games. He had less production this year than Abdelkader. I don't... Now, here's the thing. At $1 million on the fourth line, sure. Yeah, and that's what I mean. Sure. I don't think he's, like, uh, he shouldn't
1: even be on the lineup. I think there's Red Wings players right now who make st- money.
0: He's still a, a top-end penalty killer. Yeah. Um, he has... Is it possible to have less than no finish? <laughs> he is... He creates chances at a pretty decent pace and just has a st- staggering ability to just not capitalize on them.
1: Well, look at his... Um- RPM charts on Evolving
0: Hockey. That's not good.
1: Yeah, it's his his offensive output is up to a standard deviation below league average. And that's that's who Darren Helm always is. So a lot of the times he could use his skills like his, you know, game-breaking speed to generate enough chances where eventually one would go in, but even that's gone away.
0: Yeah, he's he's hanging in there is probably the best way of putting it. Absolutely. He's hanging in there. He's, Yeah, like you said, he makes entirely too much money. I think he's still got two years left on the contract, so I think he's a prime candidate to be moved at the deadline this year. I'm hoping, hoping it happens um, just for no other reason than to shed some salary. Because here's the problem with a guy like Darren Helm, okay? How many Darren Helms can you find in the NHL right now and in the minors? Probably Hundreds. He's not particularly unique. He's a good skater, no playmaking ability, not much finish, excellent penalty killer, great on the forecheck. Those aren't hard skills to find in the NHL. They're valuable skills to have, but they're not hard to find.
1: That is, thank you. I want that soundbite played on loop. They are valuable skills to have, but they are not irreplaceable. He's fast. That's great. He's got a great veteran presence. That's awesome. He's beloved by the fans a third a third thing that i would say is definitely valuable not anything that you reward with the kind of ham like like albatross contract that he has is it's important to note that he had a no trade clause that is officially uh, voided or can be voided now for the last two seasons because one of the qualifications was detroit if detroit doesn't make the playoffs there's a couple other ones in there but to make it simple it's essentially void so he can be traded
0: yeah and, and to get back to my point, I, there's a million examples I can, I can use around the league, but let's just stick to Detroit. Great skater, excellent penalty killer, fantastic on the forecheck, no goal-scoring ability, not much of a playmaker. Did I just describe Darren Helm or Christopher N.? This is
1: why I struggle to say, like, N and De La Rose and all of these guys have a place on this team. Or it's, did
0: I describe Luke Lindenning?
1: <laughs> because they don't. They don't because there's there's permanent. There's people with roster spots and contracts that are typically awarded to, you know, fantastic or, like, really good hockey players um, that are awarded to really
0: fourth-line replacement-level guys. Now, this is a season in review. So let's talk about Darren Helm's season. It was bad. yeah
1: yeah. it was the first it was the biggest drop off we've seen since he came back from all those injuries and you saw a notable hit to his speed and and ability to generate those offensive plays
0: and not that it's any of his fault but you have to factor it in he cannot play a full season he is perpetually injured and it's never the same injuries um 17 points in 61 games for a a man who spent a good amount of time on the first line this year is just flat out unacceptable. We're going to say the same thing with Abdul Kader when we get to him. We, but it's it's just, you played that much with Dylan Larkin and you couldn't muster more than seven goals. That's there's no excuse for that. Nine zero. Now, mind you, most of my complaint there is Blashill, not Helm. But still, if you're in that position, you have to capitalize it. It was much like Toronto with Tyler Bozak years ago. Yeah, should Tyler Bozak have been on the first line with Phil Kessel for all those years? No, probably not. But he still put up 50-ish points a year. So, Playing, yeah. with,
1: playing with Dylan Larkin is the easiest thing to do because it just makes your game so much better. Yeah,
0: you're playing the NHL on easy mode.
1: <laughs> I, I'm actually going to show you. You keep talking, but I'm going to show you Larkins versus Helms RPM charts.
0: This is going to be the most depressing thing I see this week, isn't it? Yo, absolutely. Oh boy. But anyways, yeah. So I don't. I don't blame Helm for being put there because obviously it would be silly to blame Helm for being put there. But uh-oh. Guess whose is whose? Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Oh no! I might
1: tweet out a picture of that later
0: on. What what is that that one stat there that Larkin is just beyond elite at uh, offensive course for. Oh boy! Yeah, he is. that is a solid blue block.
1: It is nearly three standard deviations above the league average. Oh boy! He, he good. <laughs> he real good. He real good. <laughs> um, Darren Helm, and here's here's where I struggle because, like you said, I still love Darren Helm. I still think he has a spot on the Red right Wings with a different contract. If you if you remove the contract from the situation, I still think he brings enough to the table where he's not one of the guys I would jettison away given, you know, the opportunity to do so, um, asset or without any penalty to assets. But it is when he gets played like a first liner or he gets filled in first liner top six minutes, it just makes the situation worse for Darren Helm because it exposes him. And it, it it makes for bad hockey for the team, it creates for low offensive output. It creates for an accelerated decline in his play. It holds down the, the players around him. It holds that spot away from young guys who could possibly grow into that spot. The list goes on and on. And that's all not Darren or Darren Helm's fault,
0: but it's still something that's happening. So here's a fun thought experiment for you.
1: You keep saying that every so, episode. So it's never really fun.
0: Let's let's assume the Red Wings at the point this year are at a point where they can employ three scoring lines. Okay. So a guy like Darren Helm does not even sniff the top nine. Okay? And let's assume the Red Wings, this is going to be tough to assume, the Red Wings actually employ a defensive-minded fourth line. Okay? Weird, I know. But let's just assume. God forbid the fourth line has any ability to score, but let's just assume. Deploy. Bye. You, whatever. <laughs> it, it both works. Um, you get to pick three. Glenn Denning, Helm, and... Dela Rose, Turgeon. Uh N
1: Glenn Dedding. Turjan
0: So there's Darren Helms value to this team right now.
1: Yeah, well, you know what? The nature of his contract is that he stays, and those guys with you know, oh, yeah, one million
0: dollar contracts are the ones jettisoned. Yeah, and two of those guys are going to be playing in the top nine, so it's a moot point. But just <laughs> for a oh, for a thought experiment, it's it's interesting to gauge Darren Helm's value that way because that is the role he should be in. And when you can argue he's not even a top three player on this team in that role, now mind you, age gives some biases because I would say Darren Helm's better at it at this moment than christopher n but i'd much rather take the 23 year old oh absolutely
1: he's nine years younger than darren helm yeah
0: so then you build him to be better than darren helm in that role but still it's it's not great bob it's not great it's not great and and and, and a small aside i've mentioned this on the podcast before and i feel like i need to wrap up with this again jokes eventually stop being funny the darren helm is elite needed to end a year ago (sighs) I need you all to continue that. Just cause. no, I, it's I. Nothing I say is going to stop it. No, and I absolutely know that I'm just throwing like pee into a wheelbarrow. But I want to be on record as saying it's not funny anymore.
1: <laughs> okay, uh, another aspect to Darren Helm that we're not considering is his trade value. This is a guy who uh, doesn't have any. No, I think he does. He has legacy <laughs> no, he, trade he has value some, yeah. that comes up year after year.
0: You know who could use a guy like uh, Darren Helm please. The Edmonton Oilers.
1: Oh boy, would they ever love a Darren Helm. He's <laughs> he's very well favored by a lot of different teams and coaches and general managers and know they're not going to want to pay for his contract, but he's the kind of guy who can with some salary being retained be moved uh by Steve Eisman for great asset like
0: or a decent asset i if if you if detroit retains half salary for the last year and a half i bet they could get a fourth or a fifth round pick out of darren Hill.
1: i think they could absolutely manage that if there if there's interest if a team knocks on and there was interest in you no know, nicholas cronwell last year so for, for those of you who are saying there was interest lega- in luke Lindenning. yeah for those of you who are saying you know legacy um legacy value doesn't isn't a thing there's people asking about nick cronwell this year so Please bear with me. Um, Darren Helm could absolutely be traded. I understand that's painful, and I understand it doesn't move the needle a lot in a rebuild. But think of the substan—like the substance there—that is, assume half salary retained, still over one point nine million dollars of salary cap cleared up, a huge roster spot in the bottom six cleared up, and a lot of normalcy being regained by Steve Eisman as he ju- as he moves his team. To a younger more talented uh, mold of his mind like that he wants to build it's the kind of contract no it's not the Abdulkader contract no it's not like Erickson's uh, contract extension at the beginning of it it's not that kind of thing but it still is a move where if it's there you get a fourth round pick out of it you get the freed cap space and an extra roster spot for a younger guy knocking at the door more playing time for Hiroshi maybe it's the kind of move you got to make Everything we said about Darren Helm today is going to get us absolutely blasted.
0: We know. We know how much everybody loves Darren Helm, as you all should. As you all should. But. (laughs) But.
1: Uh, We're going to uh, head over to Overtime, which of course is a, on the midweek episode, uh, is brought to you compliments of the Patreon supporters whose comments get read out on air, guaranteed uh, as our way of saying thank you.
0: Is this the point where we let everybody in on our dirty secret?
1: No, yeah. In case you haven't noticed, uh, this is, you'll be listening to this earliest Thursday night, Eastern Time. Maybe
0: Friday morning or on the weekend.
1: Uh, we're actually recording this on Wednesday night. <laughs> Big change of plans. A lot of crap has gone on, and obviously we have to make sure the show goes on. Yep. And on
0: short notice, Thursday no longer became an option, yep. so we said, okay. So we just faked it. It's fake
1: Thursday today. Uh, Adam Flett says, firstly, hope all is okay and everyone is well. We're all Okay. Evan is, you know, thriving in his Division Seven, extra-extra softball league. Uh, now for a question: Who are your top five targets in round two for the Wings? Having read Promen and Wheeler along with various others, I can see some DI target and some playmaking wingers.
0: Boy, that's a tough one. There's a uh, this second round of this draft is strong. I this I, is a great year to have three picks in there. I'm going to actually pull up Pronman's list quickly just so I can highlight a few of them because I don't have my full rankings past pick 15 done right now. So. I'm only up to pick 15 as well. Uh, I want to I qualify this by saying our prospect
1: previews are eventually going to dive into uh, second round targets.
0: Yeah, we will get a little more in depth on a, on a few specific guys. So out of guys who have a realistic chance of going in the second round, uh, I'm really big on Nils Hoaglander. The five foot nine uh, winger out of Sweden, um, Patrick Puistela, the left winger out of Finland. Uh, there's a few defensemen there too. I don't think Moritz Sider's getting to the second round, so I'm not going to say him. Uh, I'm he not was at the top I, of my list. I'm not much for defensive defensemen, but I've been reading Bless a lot. Theme. But I've been reading a lot of good things about six foot 6'6 six USNTT defense, defenseman Alex Vlasic. Apparently, there's more skill to his game than he gets credit for. Mm-hmm. Admittedly, when I've been watching the USNTDP, my eyes haven't been drawn to him for obvious reasons, but he's one that uh, leads me with a bit of intrigue. Uh, Robert Mastry, Mastro-Simone of Chicago in the USHL is another one to keep an eye on. And if I had to pick one more second round possibility Pavel Dorofiev or Ilya Nikolaev either of those two Russian highly skilled Russians with a lot of question marks another guy who's trending so far upwards I don't
1: think he makes it out of the first round um, we mentioned him Vili Hainola yeah he's, he he's I'll be surprised
0: if he gets past 25 at this point
1: uh, again, keep an ear out for that. We are going to. It's a, this isn't going to be just a Detroit's first pick at six. We're going to do second round targets as well. Uh, Joseph Dalia says, Hey guys, I'm all on board the Zegers train of Turcotte and Byram are gone. Wings need a playmaker. Wings need, need, need a playmaker. Plus Zegers to Zadina is music to my ears. Is there anyone specific you guys really like that could be available in the second round? Thanks. Oh, wow. Well, hey, would you look at that? Uh, Joseph Fournier says, Hey, fellas, my apologies if you've answered this before, but quick question. Do the Wings need to spend up to the cap to get to the LTIR salary cap relief from Zetterberg and Franzen? If they're not on LTIR, then do they take up a couple roster spots? No, they don't need to spend to the cap. No,
0: they don't need to. You can LTIR them, but then if you don't have to the cap and you have the cap space to not LTIR them, then it doesn't matter.
1: There's a certain amount of... Over it, you can be over the cap by by I think
0: ten percent in the off season, but this is where you can't LTIRM. So this is where this is going to hurt Detroit because yeah. they don't get that wiggle room. So any move they make, they'll have to make a subsequent move beforehand but that being said Detroit's got tons of cap space this summer so it's not going to be an issue in the short term
1: Uh, Holy Toledo yes I know it's early and yes I know a lot will change but TSN's current mock draft seems to be bucking the current projections of these top prospects maybe Draper was right and the abs will be hot for Doc all the better for odds for Detroit to land a Charcot or Byram anxious to see how it all actually plays out how much does the combine affect rankings
0: not as much as you would think not it's not like the NFL Casey Middlestack couldn't do a single pull-up and still went in the top 10. Uh, I'm huge on the
1: anti-spoiler train. Agree or disagree. Two weeks is enough time after a TV episode or movie's initial release date to begin. Openly discussing spoiler-related material in a public
0: forum. Too short or too long? Two weeks is good. Two weeks is fair, I think. Yeah. It's, but it, it, like, honest, if it's, That's long for me. like I'd say even a week. Like If you have it on your PVR, dude, you had a chance. It, but I'll, yeah. I'll respect that. As someone myself who has basically no free time, I'll respect two weeks. But if I can make it work, you all can make it work. If it's something to the scale of like
1: Game of Thrones, you, you had two weeks is very generous. I think people did a great job with Endgame. I did not see a single Endgame spoiler.
0: I only had to wait 24
1: hours, but yeah, no, I didn't either. Uh, he finishes by saying, hashtag I am Iron Man, hashtag King of the North, uh, say fresh cheese bags. Rowan says, hey, Ryan, did you know Steve Eisman is the general manager of the Detroit Red Wings? It's fun to keep saying that. I did mention it.
0: Yeah. Thanks, Rowan.
1: Uh, there are a few teams who really went for it this year and are pretty light on draft picks going into this year's draft. Some teams are set up better than others to cope with this. Given the stockpile of w- uh, picks the Wings are armed with, is this an avenue you'd potentially explore? I definitely wouldn't move, uh, Wouldn't be moving 6th overall and unlikely to move 35th either. More curious, uh, with 54th and 60th, whether that is something you'd stay the course and keep getting prospects or get creative with.
0: Make the picks. Um, 35 would be on the table for me because then you're looking at making a significant trade, a Truba, a Jared Spurgeon, something like that, and then I'd consider all possibilities outside of six. But uh, no, he, even the best of draft picks, well, the second round. If you're averaging it out 44% of second round picks become regular NHLers. Um, value-wise there's not a huge difference between picks 25 to 50 to 60, etc, etc. You're you're literally throwing darts at a board at this point so you need to make as many throws as you can. So if you have three second round picks in a rebuild, you make three second round picks.
1: Unless it's a kind of talent where those picks are make a deal for a player who is Got a ton of potential, feels a direct need for Detroit, and is on a fantastic cap-controlled contract. I'm I lean more towards keeping them. Granted, there's so much fluidity with that kind of question. There's so much opportunity there that it, I'm hard pressed to say that it won't happen or would never happen. It just doesn't. It would have to be like a, you're getting a Brett Pachier, or yeah, uh, Jacob Slavin in the return kind of thing, which is. Not going to happen. Uh, bonus jersey time. Or sorry, jersey time. Good job last episode. Showdown continues this week. Best Red Wings outdoor jersey. 2009 Winter Classic with the old English D or the 2014 Winter Classic?
0: That is Wait, so that one versus that one?
1: Yeah. It is a phenomenally different question. Oh, Or difficult question. Man. Those are two of the best. I'm going to say those are the two best jerseys hockey has seen. I genuinely believe the 2014 red wings winter classic with the um cream and altered uh, red wings logo is one of the most beautiful jerseys in, in sports and so it's a 1a 1b kind of thing but 2014 winter classic takes the cake for me
0: god that's hard it's very tough i think i would go oh nine if it had the winged wheel logo i don't mind the old english d but it's just it's not the same
1: so you would pick that jersey if it wasn't that jersey
0: if, if if they had the proper logo on there, but ah, even then, I'd love the cream color on the twenty fourteen. Yeah, I'm going twenty fourteen.
1: Bonus jersey time. How do we get Drake into a bees jersey and at TD Garden for games one and two? Oh, I'm sure he'll be there. Yeah, rubbing the coaches of uh, or rubbing the shoulders of uh,
0: Bruce Cassidy. Bruce
1: Cassidy. Uh, The Nibbler said I had to laugh on my commute home today I live in Calgary And was listening to our sports radio hosts uh, Who were trying to dissect Why Jeff Blashill is playing Johnny Goudreau in the bottom six At the world championship And Jared McCann is playing top six It's funny to hear other people bitch About Blashill's coaching strategy Dude
0: they scratched Jack Hughes And put Luke Glendening And all of the hockey world was surprised And Red Wings fans were just like Do you see (laughs) Do you see (laughs)
1: First time uh, Joshua Bezura says, "Hey boys, uh, hopefully, hopefully, I made the cut here. How good do you think the Larkin-Mantha Bertuzzi line can be in a make-believe world where Blashill doesn't break them up six games in after they score 25
0: points? Best case scenario, 82 games together. Mantha pops 40-30. Oh boy, 40 goals, 30 assists. Larkin's 30-50." And Bertuzzi's twenty five, twenty five. I think that is if everything goes absolutely right for them. Yeah,
1: I think that's like pie in the sky, all things align. Um, do, do, I'm always far too optimistic about the Wings in every regard, but I really uh, think they could be special. They were absolutely dominant over every line they faced, including Boston's at the end there. And people forget that they played together for one game against Chicago a couple weeks before that. I was there, and they absolutely torched the Hawks all night, and the Hawks were hot too. So it wasn't just an isolated hot streak. They were a genuinely dominant line. Every time they played together without fail... With a couple hot streaks like last year and then just playing half that well for the rest of the season, they could legitimately be one of the top lines in the show. Let me know what you think. Also, I'm sorry for chasing Evan away. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's not a hard thing to do, honestly. Uh, no, I completely agree. Like That's the kind of line where if they're clicking like that and the Red Wings haven't seen that kind of chemistry since they had like, uh, what was it, Detsuke Zetterberg-Holmstrom that's yeah. their line back in the day, you keep that line together for as long as possible.
0: By his math too, if, uh, if over the... Eight, final eight games, if they're half as good as that the rest of the season, Anthony Mantha would be a 120-point scorer if they have a couple of those streaks because he had 15 points in eight games. <laughs> All right, guys, uh, before we wrap up this
1: episode, remember, hashtag Ryan2K, hashtag WWP3K, hashtag Brad's fine for now. <laughs> hashtag Evan will be fine no matter what. Stop rewarding him. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we would love to get those uh, Twitter followers. Those are just some cool milestones for us, so um, if would- you guys don't follow, listen to the uh, outro. Uh, she'll tell you everything you need to know. We want to thank all our listeners, all our supporters, uh, our name-level sponsors through Patreon, Sky Carcass, Luke Johnson, Arjun Shanker, Clayton Van Dyken, Mike Reed, Langabier, Kaelin Wood, Charlie Elkins, uh, John Evans, Rob Thiel, Stan Olson, Ryan Alant, Ryan Lewis, and Hannah Lee. Thank you all so much we will see you guys on sunday uh thanks for bearing with us on this time traveling episode